Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. Onboarding and compliance tips. Our small business survey results are in, and this is your opportunity to compare your business to over 2,065 other small businesses in the areas of HR. Uh, I got a, a, a great guest today. Uh, those of you who watch the show regularly, you know Mary. Mary Simmons is our Vice President of HR Consulting at Assure. Uh, she's a SHRM certified professional. Also, for the last eight years, she has been an adjunct professor at the New York Institute of Technology. Prior to that, Mary was the Director of HR Consulting for a 55-year-old HR consulting firm in New York. Welcome back to the show, Mary. Thanks, Mike. Okay, so this is this is really cool. Um, if you missed our, our last show, um, we surveyed uh, two thousand. We got responses from two thousand sixty five small businesses, right? Um, uh, small business being anything under five hundred employees, so anywhere from micro businesses on, on up to a, a couple hundred employees. Um, and we asked them questions in eight areas spanning from pre-employment to post-employment. The areas are recruiting, hiring, onboarding, compliance, development, performance management, and uh, retention, and then post-employment. For each of those eight sections, we asked five questions. So uh, what are the kind of the, what we would consider kind of to be the areas of best practices around HR in that whole continuum of pre-employment to, to post-employment when, when hiring and managing uh, employees? The last question in this survey was what's gold. We asked, how did, what best describes your last year? Was it a fast growth? Did you grow? Were you flat? Or was it a down year for, for your business? Now, uh, clearly, lots of things impact growth. Pandemics, uh, interest rates, consumer demand, your competitors. So lot, we acknowledge that lots of things impact. But when you normalize across over 2,000 small businesses, some really clear patterns emerge, right? That we can say very clearly, and we're gonna share a lot of stats today and kind of unpack this. Uh, what are the fastest growing companies in America doing different in the areas of people management and people processes, AKA HR, versus those companies who had a down year? And again, we're not, we're not crapping on people who had a down year. There's lots of, lots of reasons it can, can impact that. You could be a phenomenal uh, uh, organization with great HR practices in market situation. Could You could still have a down year. But again, when you average it across 2,065 businesses, the, the, the data doesn't lie. In uh, spoiler alert, those businesses that have the best people processes those who lean in the best, who are the most compliant, the, have the uh, implement the best practices, they are they are the fastest growing companies in America. So let, let's unpack some of the some of the key statistics here. Um, in our prior webinar, we took the first two topics of recruiting and hiring. Today, Mary, we're going to unpack onboarding and compliance, which 
your favorite, right? Compliance. Uh, well, it's all my favorite. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, let's 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 talk about onboarding. Uh, uh, love uh, love Jim Collins, great great author. Uh, you know, he says great vision without great people is irrelevant, and, and, and nothing could be truer, right? So, uh, fast growing companies. Here's here's a big one. Eighty percent of fast growing companies have an employee handbook updated in the past twelve months. Only sixty percent of companies that had a down year. Uh, or or flat, so down or flat, uh, uh, have a, an employee handbook that's been updated in the, in the last 12 months. This is something that just sounds and seems so dry and boring, an employee handbook. <laughs> what on earth could an employee handbook have to do with my company growing? But you cannot run away from those stats. Over 2,000 businesses, 80% of the fast growers are on their game when it comes yep. to employee handbooks. Only 60%, still the majority, but it's a 20% spread for shrinking companies. Companies who are not growing don't have updated handbooks. Well, take us through the root, what you think the root causes are. Yeah, so, you know, we've had many seminars about employee handbooks. And to be clear, they're not mandated by law. But, again, this is why I love this study that we took because it's so compelling and it helps the employers understand one of the many reasons you need an employee handbook. So the first thing is compliance. And even when I have an employer that we start with, Mike, and they say, don't worry, Mary, I just had an attorney look at my handbook. I'm sure it's compliant. I say to myself, yeah, if an employment attorney looked at it, you probably spent six to $10,000. It's probably compliant. But... What you need to add is what are the best practices for what your competitors are putting in the handbook and right. where's the culture piece? What in the, that employee handbook drives candidates, right? So when we're recruiting, are we sharing our employee handbook when we're close to making that job offer so they see all the awesome benefits that we give so they get an infusion of our culture and say to themselves, you know, that's really an organization I want to join. And then it helps us retain both our employees and our managers. It should make everybody's job easier to have an employee handbook because any manager or a business owner that's listening can agree with me that they hear all the time from their employees questions like, how many days do I get off? When can I take an employee leave? What holidays are we closed, right? What, when's payday? What leaves do I get? Those questions are asked of business owners and managers every day. If you have a document where we can be consistent, where we're kind of saving the time of the manager and the employee, it drives, you know, employee engagement, and it just makes for a more professional, cohesive culture all around yeah. compliance yeah. and culture, that handbook is just, it's the first thing I start with, with every employer, because it's that important. And, and these statistics show that. And Mary, something that, you know, everybody's gonna get sick of me saying this, but I'm not gonna stop. There's this chicken egg versus the egg kind of a thing going on here. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think we're sitting here saying that if the simple act of putting together a compliant updated handbook 
is all of a sudden going to turn you into, into a growing business. The, the chicken egg scenario is here. Are you the kind of company that is proactive in your thinking about employee relationships in setting clear expectations, having good policies that are in alignment with modern day employment and what your what the best talent in the market is actually looking for. So it's not the artifact in and of itself. It's it's the artifact of the uh, handbook is really the result of how a company of business thinks about establishing relationships, hiring, recruiting, hiring, onboarding, training, retaining their employees in in the the handbook is just the manifestation the documentation to help set good expectations for for what the real intent is Any, anything you would add or some crack from that yeah i think that that's well said mike and and i i like that you made that that distinction and what i would add is these eight categories are the eight categories i'm going to take every employer through um when they're connected with assure consulting hr consulting and so it's not just one piece, it's all of these pieces put together. And yes, you can have all these pieces and have a downturn in economy or, you know, your competitor out, you know, bids you on, on price or, or whatever, right? So it is a complete, you know, holistic look at a business. We're not saying that if you do all of this, all of a sudden, you, you know, your, your profits go up. Of course, we're not saying that. But what I am boldly saying is that if you don't follow these guidelines with all of the good stuff, you might have an uptrend, but it will it's not going to go where you want it to go because you can't do it without an engaged, productive workforce. And all of these eight items will put that together. Yeah, so just to recap, uh, and we'll, before we move on to the next topic, so 80% of the fast-growing companies have an employee handbook updated in the last 12 months. 60% of flat and down-year companies had an updated handbook. So it, it's still the majority, but there's a 20% spread. So 20% versus the 60%. So you're a third more likely to grow Statistically speaking, you're a third more likely to grow if not you have an employee handbook, if you are the kind of company that really thinks through and leans into employee relationships, expectation setting, and policies and procedures that align you with the employee and the manifestation of that is the employee handbook. So super powerful. I can't think of all the things and the ways companies spend money on hiring sales reps, uh, doing marketing, uh, product improvement, uh, how hard you squeeze vendors to squeeze every penny out of, uh, 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 of margin. It, an employee handbook and this, this attitude to have a, a 33% chance of growing your company on one simple thing, this is, it's just gigantic. And it sounds ridiculously simple, uh, but it, it, it's all—it's it, because it's all about people, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right? Let's move yeah. on to one. It is simple. It is simple. It's a communication to your employees. It's simple. Uh, right. Just right. do it. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. The stats play out almost the same. The I, what I'll say are the underperforming companies. I mean, no offense to those people who are the down year, but the underperforming companies were slightly better here. Again, eighty percent of companies. 
uh, of growing companies have a first day checklist. So just show up to the job and you got a checklist of here's what you do uh, versus companies that didn't experience growth. So flat and down year, 66% of those have a, a, a checklist. So uh, again, ridiculously simple thing, a first day checklist. Um, I think we, I think we we'll, might sound like a little bit, a little bit like a broken record on the last one. Wh- explain the gap from 66% to 80%, uh, you know, what's that, uh, 14% more likely to be a growing company, but just having a pretty yeah. checklist in place. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to take a little professional license here because this is the ne- next thing that I'm going to knock off with a client, right? I'm going to do an HR assessment. And one of the first things I look at in that HR assessment is do you have a checklist for the first day, right? For the onboarding, et cetera. And yeah. I'll look at them. So those 66, very often, Mike, I'll look at that checklist and say, okay, you're missing some compliance forms, right? So I'm always going to look for compliance and I'm going to look for best practices, culture, engagement, right? And then, so what I'll add to that is, hey, what do you do to welcome them? I see a lot of robotic things on this checklist, which are great. I see compliance things like, I need to, you know, you know, call IT and make sure that their computer's working, right? Give yep. them their email address, show them the bathroom, you know, things like that. But do you also have that on that checklist that you give them some organizational swag, right? Give them a coffee mug with your company name on it. Give them a gift card to go get Starbucks. Take them to lunch, right? Is that on the checklist? Did you schedule lunch? with the manager, with a mentor, with the owner, et cetera. Yeah. So beyond the compliance piece, what are you doing to engage that employee right away? Everybody right. can remember their first day at work, right? Again, right. you have one chance to make a first impression. Make sure it is compliant, right? I'm always going to stand on that pillar. And then I'm going to switch to how are you engaging that client that employee right off the bat, right? So besides all that compliance stuff, you know, what's the training schedule? What, you know, how does it look for their first week, first month, first three months? So you retain that employee so they don't get overwhelmed in those first couple of weeks and go, this is too much. There's a plenty of jobs out there. They're disorganized. I'm out. Yeah. So super important for retention and engagement and setting expectations. And of course, the compliance piece. Yeah. And again, chicken versus the egg. If you have a crappy first day planned and, and no, one, no one intentionally plans a crappy first day, but if you don't have a plan, they may or may not have their laptop ready. They, they may or may not have a lunch scheduled uh, Our other coworkers in the office that day that they can actually formally meet. Or they expected to just kind of rub it, rub elbows with each other at the water cooler on on lunch break. I mean, it's not the artifact of the checklist; it's the fact. Do you have a plan? Because if you have a plan, you've that just by definition, you, you've thought about it, right? And yeah. if you've thought about it, you're, you're trying to make their first day, you know, meaningful and, and memorable. And, right. and I think so. It's probably not that again. It's not the artifact of the checklist. It's the attitude that goes into creating a checklist. Okay. Hundred percent. 
Yeah. Next, uh, 75% of growing companies have new hires go through a formal orientation. And here's the specific part of the question that I love. 75% of the growing companies have new hires go through orientation to learn the company's mission, vision, and values. Not job training, not skills, not here's where the bathroom is, here's your new laptop, here's how you use email. It's uh, training, orientation on mission, vision, values. 54% of the companies who had a down year uh, uh, do the same thing. So 75% versus 54%. So roughly half versus three quarters. Uh, it, it explain why that would be in the importance of mission, vision, values. So it's very important um, as part of their engagement to let the employees understand the why, right? Why are we here? Why are we making widgets? Why are we, you know, selling, you know, whatever we're selling? What is the mission? What is the vision? What are the values? Get them to buy into where the organization is going so they feel part of it. If they don't feel like they're part of the organization, productivity is going to go down, right? Engagement is going to go down, and that hurts the success of the organization. The organization has those mission, visions, and values for a reason, right? And the biggest reason that I would say, besides sharing it with stockholders, if you're you know, a publicly traded company, I would share it with your employees because you want them to be part of it because that's how you're going to achieve that mission, vision, and values. That's how you're going to retain staff. You need your employees engaged. You need to let them know the why for you to reach your goals with them together. They help you reach your goals. Yeah. Very yep. important. Yeah, great. That's the culture piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the and, and again, it's not artifacts. It's if, if you don't have mission, vision, values, that means you can't do the training, right? You can't do an orientation right. on something that doesn't exist. Right. And if you are developing one, the simple act of sitting, getting, getting leadership in a room and just talking about it seriously, what is our mission? Why are we really here? What's our vision to get there? What are the values that we're going to embrace publicly as a company that kind of underpin uh, our pursuit uh, uh, of that mission, right? Exactly. By simply talking about those, that, that you, some, you, you bring an organization together, right? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, last one on, on the, the whole topic here of onboarding. Um, one in five of all companies, so regardless whether they're fast growing, shrinking, one in five of all companies we surveyed are at risk of a failed immigrations and customs enforcement uh, audit because they do not train hiring managers and staff how to complete I-9s compliantly. So common theme, you know, we talked about this in, in, in the in the last webinar we did on recruiting uh, and, and hiring. Big spread in the HR best practices between the high performers and underperformers around HR best practices. When it came to compliance, everybody struggles here. So what, why is it that you think underperforming and, uh, and the fast growers, why, why is everybody struggling with I-9 so much? Because they haven't gotten trained, 
right? So it's it's a relatively simple form. And when we did the webinar on this, you and I are like, I know this is going to kind of sound, you know, relatively easy. And why are we spending an hour on it? But it's not that simple of a form. And you should know that by the fact that ICE is coming out and doing audits and any agency that comes out and doing audits, they're looking for mistakes, right? So yeah, you might learn something from that, but you also are gonna get huge fines, right? So you wanna make sure, uh, you know, a lot of the organizations that we work with, Mike, will say to me, yeah, you know, we're a construction company. So the first day on the job, the guy might get his I-9 done by his, you know, project manager out in the field, sitting in the truck. The project manager is looking at his ID because that construction worker, you know, may never come to, to the office or might not come for, you know, a little while. And that I-9 has to be filled out within their first three days. And then I'll say, have you ever trained that manager? And they'll look at me, right? And they'll hesitate. It, you know, it looks like a simple form. Yeah, um, right. It's And it is a relatively simple form. Um, but, you know, you just put white out or cross out and they're going to fine you for that, which sounds a little ridiculous to you and I. Um, obviously, it's not to ICE. So they are looking for mistakes. So organizations are making a mistake if they don't train everyone who completes an I-9 on how to do it. That's my next step, right? That's part of my HR assessment. Who's doing the I-9s? I look at them. I audit them. I would say I've been doing this for 30 years. I have never looked at I-9s, never. It's a bold statement and not found errors. Never. Wow. Even wow. with HR professionals in-house. And can you, uh, so we don't have to rehash the entire I-9 sh- uh, show <laughs> that we did. Encourage people to hop on the website and watch that episode if they got questions. Just rattle off, maybe a, what, what are the top, call, call it three areas that people make mistakes with I-9s? So the, the first one usually is that they don't complete it within the first three days of employment. So that's a big deal, right? They forget to tell the employee to bring the identification with them, not copies, um, not have their wife get on, you know, a a teen's call and show it. You know, it it has to be um, the physical document. Now we can do that virtually now, uh, and there is some changes out there, but the I-9 has to be completed within the first three days. That's the first mistake I see. The next mistake I see is that there are missing uh, areas, right? So they didn't fill in particular areas. Uh, A big one is that, you know, the employee has to sign the first uh, half of it, the the top section of the first page. A lot of times the employee forgets to sign that and or forgets to put the date. These are all finable uh, mistakes on on the I nine and then the crossouts and the whiteouts, right? You can imagine I, how many times if you filled in a form and got form, you know, say at the doctor's office or something, and you're like, "Oops," you know, put last name in the first name box, right? You can't do that. You got to start all over. They're not yeah. going to accept that, right? So lots and and I'm just going to add uh, 
expired form. Now, right now, everybody's using an expired form because uh, ICE hasn't come out with the new form yet. But I see forms from, you know, 2008 uh, that employers are using. They just forget to, you know, look for the new updated forms. So, um, yeah, I think I think sometimes men- people mentally think this is almost like uh, uh, you're filling out a W-2 and uh, maybe they didn't fill out it correctly. But what really counts is that I'm taking the proper deductions from the paycheck because that's what actually matters. I know right. the actual piece of paper matters, right? So, yes. okay. Yes. Um, okay. So uh, to, to kind of recap on, on section number one, onboarding. So we talked in prior session, recruiting and then hiring, but day one on the job, uh, the best companies, uh, they're doing orientation uh, on mission, vision, values. They are, uh, uh, they have a first day checklist um and where am i i'm sorry they have a they actually have an employee handbook but not just have it they're going through it with their employees right so onboarding you can kind of recap it it's all about communication and expectation setting and so it is you, it is you can't, you can't train and set expectations on processes that don't exist so the chicken versus the egg you got to have the processes you got to be forward leaning in how you think about people in uh, building a productive organization and getting the most from your people. Uh, and what are those processes? What are those policies? They manifest themselves in handbooks and mission, vision, values, and checklists. And then the artifacts is your communication vehicle, right? And that's what the fastest right. companies in America are doing. All right. Yep. And you got to get compliance right, and everybody struggles with that. That's kind of the <laughs> Okay, let's move to topic number three. So again, it's the it's the eight topics uh, from pre-employment to uh, post-employment. Um, the next one is compliance with laws and regulations. So fast growth companies, they're 22% more likely to train managers about HR laws like equal pay, overtime, Americans with Disabilities Act compared to companies that experience a down year. What, what is it? So this is compliance. This isn't, hey, I've trained you on mission, vision, values, and the productivity improvement is probably the result that I actually have mission, vision, values. Why do, why do you think there's a 22% spread on my fast-growing companies versus shrinking companies uh, when just simply training managers on HR legalities, if you will? Yeah, so I, I think I'd you know summarize this section compliance and communication. So it it may sound to a lot of employers like, why am I training my managers on HR compliance? Shouldn't Mary's team be handling that? Or, you know, the in-house HR person be handling the HR piece? Well, why it's important, Mike, is because our managers are on the front line. So let's take Americans with Disabilities Act, right? If an employee says, you know, you know, I have a problem with my leg. I can't go up and down the ladder. And the manager says, well, tough luck. If you can't go up the ladder, I'm going to fire you. Well, they really should have understood that that may be eligible for ADA and they should talk to somebody in human resources. And then my team would enter into reasonable accommodation conversations. Right. right? Yeah. And, and, and then again, that's going to hit two you know, pillars of a really strong organization. Compliance, right? 
So we're being compliant. We're not going to have liability because we had a manager say something erroneous because we didn't train them, Mike. It's our responsibility to help the managers understand the basis of these laws and then say, oh, when I hear those words, you know, that that's my trigger to say, you know, go talk to Mary's team, go talk to human resources. And then the other piece is, let, let's face it, it's culture, right? It, I, I think everybody can understand that a manager saying, well, if you can't go up the ladder, you can't do your job, maybe you shouldn't be here, right? And this is past experience. That's an exact example from a past employer that I've worked with. That's not a good culture. That's not a positive culture. So what can we do to have a reasonable accommodation so that we, you know, retain that employee, right? So there are so many laws out there that it's very hard for organizations to keep up with, right? Overtime is a huge one. Again, our managers are on the front line, Mike. So I hear this, if I hear it at least once a week, right? I'll start talking about overtime. I'll do, we call it HR 101, training with the managers. And I'll test them and I'll say, you know, what if Mike says, hey, it's Friday and I'm going to end up working two hours of overtime because, you know, I have so much to do today. Um, is it okay if I work, I just come in late on Monday instead of getting the two hours overtime? I'd rather come in uh, late on Monday. And the manager says, yeah, sure, that works for me. Mondays are slow, right? Yeah. If we don't train them, that is a huge liability for the organization. So managers are on the front line. And, and I will you know, take this you know, uh, one step further that the managers want to do their job correctly, right? Yeah. So we need to train them in all of the aspects of their job to show them we support them and to help them not make errors that's going to hurt them, right? Because an employee quits because they said something wrong um, yeah. or the organization gets sued. You know, in, in that case, it's like, I think it it's also an opportunity just to earn trust with the, the employee, right? It's like, 100%. hey, you know what? Let be like, hey, if, if this is my money and, and laws didn't matter, I would happily do that. That seems perfectly reasonable. Unfortunately, it's illegal. The Fair Labor Standards Act says I have to do this. So I, I really don't have a choice here. I, I'd love to, to do it. Let's talk about are there other accommodations that we can do in the future or whatever, but I, I can't I can't not follow the law here. And right. I think that's a hell of a lot better than just saying no, right? Because you have actually – you have a foundation for why you're saying yes or why you're saying no. And it just didn't, it develops trust with your employees. Right. I will say right. well, something else that jumps to my mind on this one. Uh, I had a friend, small business owner, in uh, at, at, at a point where a good person, good person, um, had a, a sales rep that uh, ended up suing for retaliation because uh, the, the this person changed uh, the sales rep's comp plan. The sales rep saw it as retaliation. The employer, I, I'll, I'll take the word for it, they were genu genuinely trying to help the sales rep be more successful, make more money, ironically. I believe it. I believe that's, it. That's not how it, how it played out, right? And so right. Um, the thing goes to court, cost this uh, employer a bunch of money, 
coincidentally, this business was kind of teetering for its survival at the time, right? So even if you do things right, you win the case like this person ended up doing, um, there was still cost to defend at a time when that business couldn't afford to spend a penny on anything but growth, right? And so when I think about the context of 2,065 business owners responding to this survey um, in, in so heavily weighted to the fast-growing companies, it might not be that, hey, the trust, the relationship, the communication, those are all like totally valid things. There's also just the reality, if you do it wrong, this can be damned expensive in you, how can you grow your business if you can't buy you know, inventory? Or if you can't if you can't pay workers to actually fulfill orders because you spent all your money on fines and lawyers and whatever else, right? Absolutely, and then the cost to the other employees, right? It hurts the culture of the organization. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to come back to a topic. Uh, so, your experience would be, and you, you said in your 30 years, you've never seen anybody without a single mistake. Uh, because I-9s are such a big deal, we stuck the I-9 question both into onboarding, because clearly it's an onboarding task, but I-9s aren't just an onboarding thing, right? It, it, it's, an, uh, it's a compliance ongoing that you have to maintain I-9s. So we stuck it in here twice, uh, and we asked, do you keep an, a Form I-9 for each person you hire in for one year after their employment ends? 17% across the board, they don't. Um, why is this stat so important? It's probably self-evident, but, you know, drive this one home for us, Mary. Yeah, I'm, I think those fines um, are can put somebody out of business. So you need to do those forms, but you need to do them correctly. And I will tell you, Mike, uh, a little uh, statistic that, you know, again, in my professional experience, I would say there's still 10 to 15 percent of employers who are not doing I-9s, either knowingly because they're hiring people who will not cannot satisfy the I-9 because they just can't find help right now or unknowingly and say, I-9, what's that? <laughs> and that's why, you know, a lot of times when yeah. employers will say, I don't need HR, you know, I'm not this defines HR in a different way. And I'm hoping that employers are making that connection, right? Um, that HR isn't just employee relations. It's all of these eight pieces that come together, these topics that come together to make a successful organization. It's not just employee relations, it's employee relations in all of these different areas, right? Compliance and communication, that's going to drive the success of the organization with, with a lot of other things, right? Um, yeah. But I'm going to make a bold statement that you're not getting there for a sustained time without having a strong HR function. You can't do it without your employees, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, here, here's one that I think, especially small growing businesses, that, that they, you know, growing or not growing as the case may be, um, they don't think about because, man, you're just struggling to try to survive. But uh, interesting, 36%, so more than a third of businesses who identified themselves as being flat or having a down year do not 
have a documented process for handling HR investigations and queries. How how does that one make sense to you? So a third of all businesses that don't have formal process for investigations, queries, somebody wants to report something to HR, they want to ask HR, hey, such and such happened. Um, How do you correlate that to lack of success in, in growing your business? So when an employee has an employee relations issue um, of certain gravity, right? So uh, let's just say that it's a harassment or a discrimination complaint that they have. If an organization does not take that uh, complaint seriously and conduct an investigation, Mike, one of two things is going to happen. That employee is either going to quit and silently go off in the night, and now you're down another person, right? You're back to you know the hiring you know circle where you can't find anybody. Or the second thing that's going to happen is they're going to go to the EEOC or the Department of Labor for that state and make yeah. a complaint. And those agencies during the pandemic, although the audits were way down. Right. And they're starting to uh, trickle up again. What they did was they made it really easy for employees to make their complaints. You three years ago, four years ago, for some of those department agencies, departments, you had to go down and fill out a form. Right. Which sounds so antiquated to us now. Now. There's posters on subway cars in New York City that'll say, and, and other areas that'll say, you're not being paid right, or you're not being treated right. Here's the email. Here's the website. You just go right on and you make yeah. that you make that complaint, right? So yeah. these agencies are making it easy for employees, as they should, because if people are not being treated right, they should do it. But the organization needs to do an investigation. You want to know if your managers or employees are treating each other improperly, right? And it may be just, you know, unprofessional, but it may leave you liable for some kind of legal action. You need to know that, Mike. You need to do an investigation, right? You need to protect the employee protect your managers, protect your organization. And you can't do that without doing an investigation. Um, And I would say that that investigation needs to be done by a professional. We do, you know, plenty every single week. And the reason for that is if you don't do it correctly, Mike, you may cause more harm than good. You know, I've said in training sessions that you've put on for, for clients in the one word that you always start and end with is the word respect, right? Correct. And I, I think it just so applies here because, uh, again, it's not the policy or procedure, whether you have an escalation path and document in your handbook in and of itself. It's are you, at least in my opinion now, uh, you are, are you or are you not creating a culture where people feel respected, Right. And if there is no documented escalation path or process, um, it doesn't mean you have a bad culture, bad company. But if something does come up, 
and the employee is just simply unsure of where to go to? I mean, maybe it's not even the lack of trust that you that you have by not having the policy. It's the trust that you do have gain and earn and develop and nurture when you do have a policy. So if I if you hire me and you say, hey, like God forbid anything happens here, we we, we want to make sure that you feel safe and respected, and this is a, a an environment where everyone can feel comfortable and, and, and we are we're a team. And so sometimes that means you need to be able to talk to someone, maybe even confidentially, about a sensitive issue. We want to provide that path for you. So I, I think it's not the process itself or the document. It's the person who has that mindset, and you communicate that heartfully with the employee. That employee is thinking, wow, what an amazing company, right? They actually right. thought so far ahead. They've created this process, this system, this path for me that hopefully I never have to use it. And so I don't. I think this is – one of those things that you can gain in the positive, you don't necessarily lose in the negative, which probably explains why the faster growing companies have these have these policies. Absolutely. You, listen, all organizations will say to themselves, I have process around getting new clients. I have process around making the widgets that we make, providing great customer service. You also have to have policies and procedures for your employees, right? Because if you don't, the complaints are just going to fly around the organization and it is like poison in your culture. It, and it takes your productivity way down. You don't That's want right. two people complaining to each other versus doing the work they're supposed to do. Have a right. process, have a procedure, be respectful to your employees. Yeah, right. All right, last one here. Uh, and we're going to wrap up on, on uh, compliance with laws and regula regulations. Topic number three of the eight. Uh, nearly one in four companies who experienced a down or flat year are not certain they are compliant with FLSA wage and hour requirements. So what's your experience of how compliant is anybody on FLSA? And, and I don't want to sound overly critical. What percent of small and growing businesses even know what FLSA is? Yeah. And, and why would they? Right. So, you know, where would you find that information? Right. A lot of times I get on the call with an employer and they're like, yeah, I just Google search. If I have a question, I'm like, but you don't know what the Fair Labor Standards Act. It's a federal law. It's going to apply to you. You can't Google what you don't know. And how would right. they know it? That's why having an HR presence, just having um, some professionals assist you with HR, even if you have five employees, is important. And as you know, we could spend all day on the Fair Labor Standards Act. I'd say one of the most important policies there is that every single employee must be classified exempt or non-exempt. And I would say, and this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say at least 50% of the employers uh, that I speak with are erroneously classifying those employees. What yeah. does that mean, Mike? That means if you have them as exempt versus non-exempt, as an example, and you did that for just a year and that person worked overtime, that's a very large uh, lawsuit, right? Yeah. Wage and hour claims outtrend discrimination claims. So it's 
overreaching. You know, that's just one piece of FLSA. We've, you know, done webinars and, and you've done them with Jackson Lewis. <laughs> this is a tough one to end on, Mike, because I could just keep going on and on and on. But I will wrap up by saying this, these areas, all eight, come down to communication and compliance. And FLSA is a very large compliance piece that all employers have to be aligned with. And if one out of four aren't sure they're in line with it, it really drives home the fact that HR assistance is needed. Yeah, and, and I'll say this one is getting exponentially harder. Uh, FLSA, the Fair Labor Standards Act, go back to 1938, it's a federal law and there's been updates and revisions to it constantly. But the important thing here is, so what, we can never unpack all that's in the FLSA in this show. Um, but the biggies, you know, child labor, overtime, uh, exempt versus non-exempt, uh, minimum wage. These are some of the basic things that got established uh, with, with right. FLSA. And yep. so take minimum wage, for example. Minimum wage is no longer a federal thing. I, I think I think most people know this. There's like a hundred, I want to say it's 30 of the 50 states have their own version, but much more importantly, local cities, counties, municipalities are passing their own versions. And so it's, That's it's right. something like 147 today in, in, in trending up unique jurisdictions of minimum wage. But it's not as simple as the hourly rate. It's like, well, if I'm in this industry, then this is my rate. If I'm in this industry, that's my rate in some states. Others, it could be um, uh, uh, maybe if I'm in this city or in this county, but also maybe within this city, uh, I have to follow federal law. But here's this one category of employer uh, that actually this is the rate, right? And if you don't do this, then this is the rate. There's so many if-thens, and they're, they're, yeah. they're accumulating on each other uh, that FLSA, I think for most people to – it says one in four of people who experience a down year are not certain they are compliant. I suspect there's this is an area where, where there's a lot of false confidence, even amongst the fast yes. growing. Yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Mary, okay, so that that kind of takes us on some of the highlight of of uh, of this. So we got two more webinars to go. The next one we're going to unpack. Uh, uh, developing people, development of your talent uh, in performance management. Those two things kind of go hand in glove. The last one we're going to do show on this topic will be around retention and then post-employment. Anything that you'd want to kind of recap here on the onboarding and compliance piece? So I, I try not to scare employers, but sometimes it's important. So when I talk compliance, um, sometimes I can hear the virtual eye roll, right, uh, from employers like, oh, I'm compliant enough or I'm compliant, right? But, you know, the wage and hour division recovered, you know, $32.9 million just from the construction businesses last year and $27.1 million just from food services last year. So you can imagine how much from the entire uh, businesses they recovered, right? ICE, yeah. same thing. Those numbers are exponentially growing as you know time goes on. Uh, so you need to protect yourself 
on the compliance side, not just because I say it, not just because Mike says it, but so that you can stay in business and not have the fines. And then the second piece is the is the communication piece. Hopefully we've driven forward the, the reason for that. But the biggest reason is you got to engage your staff, right, Mike? An engaged yeah. staff is a productive staff, and we're here to help you be successful. And I think this is a pretty easy equation to put together. Yeah, and I, I would maybe uh, my my closing thoughts on this would be, uh, and this is going to be revealed in the next two shows we do on the remaining four topics. Uh, it certainly was on show number one and show number two here. Um, the best companies, uh, let me rephrase that, not the best, the fastest growing companies are those companies with the best people processes. Uh, so I say HR best practices, but it's really, what, do you think about what your mission, vision, values are? Do you have an employee handbook because you want to be really forward leaning in your communication and expectation setting with employees? Do you have, the, 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 do you have job descriptions? Do you have uh, uh, job descriptions that, uh, that talk about skills and competencies required to perform the job? And therefore, those skills and competencies manifest themselves in good job postings. All these things so sound so stupid, simple, and kind in some ways they are. But it's if you don't have those processes, it's the reason is because you're not forward leaning on people. And how am I going to attract, develop, and retain the best people that I can grow my company with? If you treat people as kind of transactional, they're cogs in the machine, so to speak, spokes of the wheel, then you probably end up with a more transactional approach. And so you don't have these artifacts of job descriptions and uh, compliant postings in a, in a documented interview process, an employee handbook. Uh, I, I, I'm just here to say, yes, these artifacts are important. But much more important is what is your attitude towards human beings, towards acquiring people, uh, acquire, uh, building a team that gets behind your mission, vision, values to help you grow your business. When you have the right attitude towards people, uh, the right processes and then the right artifacts manifest themselves. That and everyone struggles with compliance because it's just getting more and more complex every single day. To, to me, those are the punchlines that are – they're going to come out in every show here. Perfectly said. Yeah, yeah. Mary, love talking to you. Uh, looking you. forward to next week where we unpack uh, development and performance. Sounds great. Thanks, Mike. Talk to everybody else next week. Thanks. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront costs and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws, visit AssureSoftware.com.